Hi guys, it's Emmett. <clears throat> so bear with me, I've got to set the stage for a second. My Christmas tree farm is five or six different groves of balsam scattered across what was the original 25 acres of this guy's property. And he kind of planted them in areas that made sense if you think of the property holistically. Right, he had one big slope that's about five acres, it's now my U-cut grove, and then five other acres broken into one, two, three, four different parts. And really, the the big slope also has two parts, a part up at the top that you access from the top, and a part, the big part at the bottom that you access from the bottom. So really, there's six different groves. Um, and... <coughs> They are where they are because of just sort of micro aspects of the landscape. You know, areas that had been divided into pasture previously in different ways and ways that he anticipated using the land um, for different purposes. Uh, and what this means is that each of these areas has different characteristics and different levels of truck access and ease of getting stuff. Hey, Willa, stop it. Drop it. My dog likes to eat horse poop. No. Good girl. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> but what it also means is that I tend to sort of hit up certain areas really hard and then leave them alone for a year or two or three and then when I come back to them, it's like all of a sudden, here's this a whole area that I just hadn't really thought about. You know, oh, there's a lot of good trees there this year, where which is good because over in this other spot, there's really very few trees. Um, and I was thinking about that because I was working up at the top of the U-cut Grove, which is a whole separate thing. You got to access it from the top, but it's got a series of trails that all feed up to the top, and. I, I mean, I must have come through there. Hold on, there's a car coming. Come on, dogs. Come here. Yo. Dogs, come here. Hey, Willa, sit. No, come here. Sit. Willa, sit. Good dogs. <clears throat> this way. Um, I must have come through there in the years past and just been like, oh, there's nothing here, there's nothing here. And now this year, everything's grown big enough. I'm like, wow, there's a lot of good trees here this year. And it's like discovering $20 in your pocket um, or a larger equivalent. And I had the thought yesterday that it's kind of like, it's like how our money ends up in the bank because we have a bunch of different businesses. Money's flowing into these two or three different accounts and uh, and so, and I have found that that is really helpful because it helps me sort of sort of automatically save up for larger scale purchases without having to think about it because the money is flowing into accounts that don't actually feed automatically into the account that we do most of our spending from. So any transfer to that account of spending has to be a deliberate act. And I can't tell you how many times I've been like, shoot, some big thing needs to happen to one of the vehicles. Do we have $2,000? And, and we do, but it's because 
that money was separated into different accounts, similar to how the trees are separated into different groves. And I think there's something about that. I think there's something about having stuff split up into smaller groups that are then accruing value that that uh, sort of uh, allows for... I don't want to say a better management, but it, it, um, it, it, it does a better job of sort of absorbing... Uh, absorbing unexpected surges in demand um, because there can be these sort of hidden pockets of stuff waiting. Um, right? That like somebody can say, oh, I need 30 trees. And I'll be like, shoot, do I have 30 trees? And then I'm like, oh yeah, I got that spot over there that I haven't been to. Or, you know, or like I said about unexpected car expense. And you're like, oh yeah. I do actually have money. And I think if I had all my trees in one big square field, or if I had all my money in one bank account, well, that might make it simpler for me to calculate what I have and maximize my efficient use of those resources. It would not do as good a job of allowing me to gracefully accommodate unexpected demands on my, on, on that resource, whatever it is. And so I think there's something biological going on here. It took me a long time to get to this point, but I think the biological thing that's, that I'm seeing is that there is resilience in complexity. And we see this uh, on the landscape level, uh, where, you know, more complex landscapes. Hey, Willa, stop it. Come on, let's go. Uh, where more complex landscapes are just better at absorbing unexpected uh, demands on those ecosystems. Um, and I think this is, these are just very simple examples of the same principle at work, but I really think that that's what it is. And as for its implications, I feel like, um, you know, maybe you don't own multiple businesses like I do, <laughs> Uh, it makes it sound so grand, but really it's just me doing different things and I've set up different bank accounts. But I, I don't know. I feel like there must be some way to apply this to your life to, in a whole bunch of different ways to make your life more easily able to handle the unexpected. Uh, if you have thoughts about what these are, I'd love to, uh, think about this more, engage with this more. If you have thoughts on, on what are examples of ways that you can make your life more resilient in this way by adding complexity, rather than making it simpler to uh, maximize efficiency, um, shoot me a message over on Instagram. I really look forward to hearing from you. Thank you.